Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Offside Rule podcast with myself, Lindsay Hooper, Kate Borsay and Hayley McQueen. Sit beside me. Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. You can also go to the website where we've got brand new content emerging there all the time. We've got blogs, football blogs are plenty, uh, lots of the back episodes as well. So if you miss any, you can go back and see. And lately we've had a few competitions, girls. So if anyone wants to win some tickets to football, keep an eye on Offside Rule Podcast and we'll make sure that we post all the details there and we'll come to our latest competition later in Twitter Topic of the Week. Uh, a quick mention as well for Rhiannon Jones who's going to have our La Liga roundup later and it was the Madrid derby, wasn't it? Big one. Oh, and there's no Gareth Bale at the moment. What's ha- He's going to be the next Jonathan Woodgate, isn't he? Oh dear. Atletico's looked so strong as well. They did, yeah. I just, I just feel for Gareth Bell, and I, I just hope that he doesn't get homesick and a bit lonely because I think he could be partial to that. I think they've got to be really careful about how they accommodate him and what he does outside football as well as what he does does on the pitch as well because that's going to be a huge part towards his state of mind. Mm. Well, here's what's coming up on the podcast today. We're going to start with topic one, the tortoise and the hare. So London clubs, along with Liverpool, Kate Borsay, uh, are at the starting blocks yeah. fast in the Premier League. Uh, they're towards the top of the table whilst the Manchester clubs languish slightly. Uh, so we're wondering whether the likes of Manchester United are going to benefit from thinking more long-term on this occasion. So I want an example example of a team that are more a tortoise and a team that are more like the hare. Um, he's a gem is topic number two. Um, R- Roberto Martinez, it was the other week in the podcast we mentioned this as well and he's, he's actually said this in a post-match interview again not for the first time, calling Ross Barkley a diamond of English football and we like that analogy. So we're thinking gems and we want to liken other footballers to precious stones. Uh, also topic three, stars of the silver screen Jose Mourinho stormed out out of a press conference after being asked questions about Kevin De Bruyne and it caused all those back page headlines which I thought was brilliant. Uh, We need to talk about Kevin and we're going to think about our other inner Barry Norman-esque feelings to do with movie titles and who we could associate and uh, apply those to in the world of football. So you could go for footballers, you could go for managers, anybody associated with football Um, and I think that about sums up what we're going to cover in the next half an hour. Uh, A quick word on the roller coaster of what was the Premier League this week weekend. Uh, the Midlands teams out on top and need we mention West Bromwich Albion and sackings ever again because they are the bogey team for most people but they're doing well and it was it was one of those where David Moyes watched out. I'm sorry to say Halo. Oh, David Moyes in trouble. He might feature in my film titles at the end of oh. this podcast actually. So might West Brom actually featured with one of their players as well. A little hint of what's to come. My goodness, this Premier League season, I think, and we say it every season, don't we, is going to be one of the most exciting. But my goodness, how unpredictable. Wow. And Aston Villa, without Ben Teke, without Agbon Lahore, who would think they'd come back to beat Manchester City 3-2? 
I know it was incredible and they've had a great season so far haven't they um, you know who who would have thought Arsenal would be top of the table at the moment especially after the first couple of games of the season and of course Aston Villa also defeating Arsenal right at the beginning of the season as well so it's already topsy-turvy and we're not that many games in The female take on football uh, so let's start with the tortoise and the hare. I want you both to give an example of a team who've made a great start to a Premier League season, but then slipped away as the season went on. And another example of a side who slowly climbed the table to secure a top maybe four to six finish or something beyond expectations. And I can take any examples from the Premier League's formation, which was in 1992. Uh, we will go with Hayley McQueen first. I'm going to start with the 2008-2009 season and it's a club who finished towards the bottom and the side that won the league because it didn't look like Manchester United were going to win the league that season. They started with an abysmal draw against Portsmouth. They went to a penalty shootout in the Community Shield, 0-0 after full time in the Premier League. They drew with Newcastle in their first home game. They then travelled away to Portsmouth and got a win. But that was the only win that they managed to get in their first seven games in all competitions. It was quite dire. They lost to Zenit in the European Super Cup. They then lost to Liverpool. Huge game. They were hoping to go on, beat Liverpool and kickstart their campaign. That wasn't to happen. Champions League started off terribly with a draw against Villarreal. They then drew against Chelsea. They managed to beat Middlesbrough in the Carling Cup. That was one that I was thinking. Yeah, I was like, oh, thanks for that. Beat my hometown team, but it's okay. They then did go on a bit of a winning streak. But after seven games with just one win which was against Portsmouth it was looking really bad for Sir Alex Ferguson they however did end the season with the Premier League title they ended with a, a defeat of course to Barcelona in the Champions League which was a bit of a shame but they won the league everything was uh, wrapped up fairly early on they won to Hull of course who were the team who started brilliantly, who ended badly, didn't they? It wasn't looking very good for Hull towards the end of the season, but they started absolutely flying. 12 points separated Hull in sixth and West Brom in 20th. So there you have it. At Christmas, in the end, they actually survived relegation, but only just, just by one point. Great to have them back in the Premier League at the moment. They're currently eighth at the moment, depending on when you're listening to this, whether it be before or after the weekend, but they are in the top 10. They look set to stay there, but how is it going to end? I'm going to do my best Brucey impression now for Kate Borsay. So we had 2008, <laughs> 2009 from Hayley. Have I got higher or lower from you in terms of years? I am going to have a look at something lower, but first of all, let's not forget last season... When you look at teams like Norwich, who were in real dire straits with three or four games left, and they were certainly not sure of staying in the table, how on earth did they manage to finish 11th, for goodness sake? Well, it was so congested down at the bottom half of the table last season, wasn't it, that with a few results, uh, you really can turn things around. Let's look back in time then, ladies, when we were just mere smidgens of people. Well, I I don't think I was, but we'll move on quickly. Uh, 98-99 season, Aston Villa drop from top at Christmas to sixth after taking one point from 24 between January and March. New boys Dion Dublin and Paul Merson were meant to do the business for them. They didn't. They scored 12 goals before Christmas but capitulated, only managed four afterwards. I can't really do this podcast without mentioning Liverpool, can I? When they were top at Christmas in the 2008-2009 season. Uh, we've already obviously mentioned around then anyway, but they had a great start to the season. They knocked in some stunning results. Top at Christmas. Then Sir Alex Ferguson mixed it up a bit. Rafa had his famous rant 
And it all fell apart. We ended up finishing second, but it was not good. After that rant and after uh, Fergie stuck the dagger in, it really didn't go too well for us. Let's take a look at when it goes the other way round. So Glenn Hoddle, when he was newly appointed Chelsea manager, 93-94 season... Um, They were struggling. 2-1 defeat to Blackburn and they had a really inconsistent campaign, included home and away wins over champions Manchester United, but then home and away losses uh, to relegated Oldham Athletic, so completely topsy-turvy. They were 20th at Christmas, but found enough form to finish in 14th. Now, I don't know whether this is a little bit too raw for me. So as I try and go through my worst one, just stick with me. I don't know whether I might get through to the end. It's a bit too near the bone. Um, Wolves. Of course I'm talking about Wolves, my beloved. Joint top, would you believe, three games into the 2011-2012 season in the top flight. Joint top with Chelsea and <laughs> Liverpool. You know where this is going to go. <laughs> I know. But I can, can, we not just, can we just wallow here for a while in this space? Um, they'd drawn with Aston Villa in the Midlands derby. Had they not on that third game, they would have actually topped the league above Chelsea and Liverpool and it was a very tight game. But that very season... We all know. They dropped down the table. They finished bottom on just 25 points, which is one of the lowliest totals that there were ever. Um, They were relegated to the championship, a season to forget, but not as much as last season. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thankfully, we're only talking Premier League. Um, And then February, March, I did want to talk about a bad run of results that really led to their demise. I think we all remember that losing 5-1 to West Bromwich Albion resulted in Mick McCarthy losing his job. We all know that happened. It was wrong to happen. I won't go on about it, but I still love you, Mick. (laughs) Um, But then (laughs) 5-0... Her therapy bill's massive, I tell you. She's still not through it. At 5-0, we lost to Fulham, and this was all in a space of a few weeks. And then we lost 5-0 to Manchester United, which Hayley will remember as well. So some bad results in that demise. On to Everton the year before, 2010-2011. And the opposite, they had the worst start to a season under David Moyes in 11 years. This might bring you some hope, Hayley, who knows? Um, 18th in the table, three games in, they were on just one point. Only Stoke City and West Ham were below them. But they went on a nice little run and they finished seventh in the end, just outside the European places. They beat Liverpool, the Merseyside rivals, 2-0. And they beat Manchester Manchester City as well, 2-1 in that season a couple of the standout results but Everton I think quite a lot they've had a a slower start and then moved up the table although this time they've started with a plum is that (laughs) an apple (laughs) and a pear (laughs) I mean a plum anyway those are mine Uh, we'll move on to topic number two he's a gem Uh, Roberto Martinez loves referring to Ross Barkley as a diamond Mm. this season he's done it a couple of times and not least against uh, Newcastle in the post-match he said he's the diamond of English football once more and it got us thinking sparkly Bobby Dazzlers Mm. Uh, so what I want is your precious jewels I want you to choose two players you can choose more than that if you're quick because I've got more but we need to be quick (laughs) All under the age of 25 years old. I want you to liken them to a jewel. Who's your emerald? Who's your crystal? Who's your gold bar? And why? Starting this time with Kate Borsay. Caffili in Wales. It's known for cheese, right? It also produced one 22-year-old player, Aaron Ramsey. 
currently absolutely having a storming time for Arsenal. He has scored, in fact, his winner at the Liberty Stadium at the weekend was his eighth goal in his last nine Arsenal matches. He's also not one in uh, for Wales against Macedonia as well, of course. Now, Caerphilly and the surrounding areas in South Wales are also known, not as much as North Wales, granted, but they are also known for Welsh gold. So that's what I'm going to call Aaron Ramsey, Welsh gold. It's found in a small area in the valley of the River Cothy, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, at Dolly Cothy, where it's known to have been mined by the Romans. Let me describe it to you. Well, it looks like normal gold. Um, It's extremely expensive and it's been mined in Wales for thousands of years unlike Aaron Ramsey, but we could say good footballers have been mined in Wales for thousands of years. They were kicking pig bladders around the streets thousands of years ago. (laughs) I don't know what uh, parts of Wales you two have been to, but it's nothing like the Wales I know. I spent many happy summers in Tenby when I was a child. Um, Welsh gold... Lindsay is saying Dawlish for her. There we go, as we uh, look to get a bit of a bung from the Welsh tourist board. Uh, Welsh gold has a strong association with the British royal family. Did you know that Kate Kate Middleton's ring, wedding ring, is made of Welsh gold. They even have their own reserve of Welsh gold. That's how posh they are, which they use for themselves on appropriate family occasions. So there we go. Aaron Ramsey, Welsh gold for me. My second one is that 24-year-old Robbie Cruz plays for Bayer Leverkusen. And what a great uh, start of the season there, having under Sammy Hoopier, of course, close to my own heart, being that he's an ex-Liverpool player. He's known as the pin-up boy of Australian football. Um, He played last season for... Fortuna Dusseldorf in the second tier, I think, of German football they are um, and did really well for them and that's what caused Bayer Leverkusen to come in for him. One and a half million euros is what they paid for him and it's an absolute bargain, I tell you. And I'm going to relate Robbie Cruz to an Opal. It's the national gemstone of Australia. Robbie is an Aussie, pin-up of the Socceroos team. Um, He scored... A brace on his debut for Bayer Leverkusen, uh, one over Mainz uh, just over uh, a week or so ago. So he's doing really, really well for them. He's uh, come off the bench um, otherwise, has not had too much of a chance, but he's a really exciting young prospect. Credit to him as well. He hasn't always gone after the money. He hasn't always gone for the expensive gemstones. He found his way out of Australia, having played in, in the league there for several years, and has done it the good way, done it the honest way, done it the hardworking way. Finally... Opal comes in a variety of colours. Blue, brown, grey, green, magenta, olive, orange, pink, red, rose, slate, white and yellow. The Socceroos play in yellow. Leverkusen play in red at home as well as black and play in white away. So not only am I going to liken him to an opal, but his team strip is also in the same colours as you can find opals. You say opal, all I can think is opal fruits. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Fruit loop. <laughs> Hayley, one of the players I'm going to mention, who is my diamond in the rough because he <gasps> oh. plays for West Brom. Sorry, everyone. It's a player that we've mentioned before in the podcast, Berrinho, who I think I called him Berrinho once before. A very Brazilian sounding name, but it's Berrinho. <laughs> Sado, just young, 20 years old. West Brom desperate to tie him down because we have seen flashes of brilliance from this young player. They're looking to sign him down to a very long term contract which is what you'd want to do when you have a diamond. You want to keep it forever, don't you? You don't want to get rid of that treasured, treasured gem. So are you calling West Bromwich, as in the area, rough? No, not the area. <laughs> Just isn't a bit of, you know, he's shining above and sort of, yeah. Could get me into trouble, this, but absolutely not. This is a girl whose hometown is, is Middlesbrough, okay? okay? I love my hometown, and we are called the roughest and most rubbish 
town in the whole of the UK, but I'm still proud. So West, West Brom is sort of like the Chelsea to, to Middlesbrough, really, I guess, isn't it? But, um, well yeah, recovered. Yeah, very, so well recovered. Oh, yes. Goals against Arsenal, Manchester United, Premier League clubs desperately wanting to steal this diamond from West Brom. Scored a beautiful winning goal at Old Trafford. We all saw that, oh. unfortunately. Yeah. That's right. And handed West Brom their first victory at the Theatre of Dreams since 1978, before I was born. I used that stat because I wanted to let you know I'm not that old. So there you go. He's absolutely shone for the under-21s as well. I mentioned it before in a previous podcast when we were asking each other to put yourselves in Roy Hodgson's shoes and make somebody... I'll make a change. I think it was to cap a player, wasn't it? And yeah. I said, I'd like to see him coming up and be used in, in the squad because he scored a goal against Moldova for the under-21s and he is really shining at the moment. So I'm looking forward to seeing lots more uh, from this player. Um, the second is a player who was rejected by Arsenal as a kid for being too small. He's 23 years old. He is currently plying his trade in London at the moment. Far from the polished product, but he's got pace. He's going to score goals. He was signed for £6 million for Peterborough, from Peterborough to Crystal Palace. He's my delicate gold. His value will increase. That is right. He's like the coin you dig up from the garden. Mm. Uh, catches the eye ever so slightly. You don't know why. You polish it up and it turns into something that strikes unbelievable value. You like to keep hold of gold as well. It's classy. It's timeless. If he's looked after properly, he will shine. If he shines, Dwight Gale, for Crystal Palace, I think they will stay up and they'll keep going along about things very, very nicely. Did you know he was working as a carpenter and playing for Stansted just three years ago? There you have it. So at 23 years old, he is shining for Crystal Palace. There's Lukaku as well, isn't there? Mm. The Emerald making Chelsea green with envy <laughs> that they didn't keep hold of him. So there you go. Haven't gone into too many stats about these players, but I think just the names just shine out for themselves. Now you've gone for precious jewels. But I've gone for very obscure jewels. So much so that I'm regretting it right now because I'm looking at my list thinking, how do I pronounce them? And I know that out of the three of us, well, actually, out, out of the three of us, I'm least equipped to say these names. You like your shiny rings, Hayley, don't you? Oh, yeah. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Kate has always got lovely jewellery on. So me trying to tackle this when all I do is wear silver is going to be quite difficult. So would you like me to go for the two humdingers or would you like me to go for the two slightly easier ones? Humdingers. Humdingers. Humdingers first. So this is, is it malachite? Malachite, Ah, I said it right. Um, It's a copper carbonate with distinctive green veining. Though not a particularly hard stone, it takes an excellent polish. And I thought that best described Raheem Sterling. He's not very hard, really, is he? He's still quite light. He's only 18 years old. He's got time to build and mature like Wayne Rooney, get bigger, broader shoulders. But... He has got excellent polish, and I like his polished skills. Well, this next one, see what you can make of this, and I don't know how to say it at all. Almandine garnet. Almandine garnet. The most common garnet is dark brownish or purplish red. Garnet is very popular for its excellent hardness and brilliance. I've likened that to 21-year-old Phil Jones, because he's hard, isn't he? He's tough, and he's got brilliance. Then I've got two more. Pre-night, a form of calcium, aluminium silicate, has a vitreous mother-of-pearl luster, affordably priced for its size. That's the key comment in this. Affordably priced for its size. I've gone for Will Hughes, a 
18 years old, a very good upcoming talent. And it says makes distinctive and interesting jewellery. And I think he will be distinctive in the future. Um, and my final one is Chris Beryl. Faceted Chris Barrel is a beautiful gem which is not as well known as it deserves. That's the key phrase. Not as well known as it deserves. Apart from the very good hardness, it has excellent lustre. And I have gone for Charlie Austin. Not as well known at QPR at the moment in the championship, although after seeing them at the weekend, soon to return to the Premier League, I think. And Charlie Austin, he holds that ball up very well and has got some great play with the likes of Nico Cranchar and a great all-round game. So I think he is one to watch out and not getting the recognition that he deserves. And we'll take a quick break now and get our Twitter Topic of the Week update from Faye Carruthers. Uh, This week it was competition time again. Ten pairs of tickets to go to the Continental Cup final this Friday. We've been running it all week and Faye will update us on everything that's been happening at Offside Rule Pod. Twitter Topic of the Week. So we've been asking you all week what your favourite FAWSL moment of this season's been and we've had loads of responses to at Offside Rule Pod. We had 10 pairs of tickets to the Continental Cup final to give away and here are your winners. Hannah Ellen who said Rachel Williams dislocating her finger was her favourite moment because her first thought was to run to Karen Carney in the press box and gross her out. Hashtag legend. Holly Cockbill says hers was going to Stratford and watching Arsenal beat Birmingham 3-1. There's lots of love going on for Steph Horton as well. Jason Elliott's favourite moment was watching Arsenal ladies play at Boreham Wood and seeing Steph Horton. Uh, Stevie Power says Arsenal Steph Horton Humdinger versus Lincoln to win May's goal of the month. Charlie Spice also picked that. Uh, Steph Horton's Goal of the month equaliser against Lincoln and Kelco 7 the same. The long-range strike against Lincoln to earn a point. Kelco 7's hashtag is swerve it like Steph. Uh, Kirsty Rigby said her favourite moment was being a ball girl and mascot for Liverpool versus Doncaster and seeing Kate Longhurst's dancing. We're at Women's Footy Fan, chose Gemma Bonner's screamer against Bristol a few weeks ago. Uh, gave them a 3-4 win in the final minutes. Leanne and Steph went for how much recognition ladies football has got recently. Here, here, And uh, Lucy Clark won her ticket because she chose the moment when Liverpool's Lily Bilson gave everyone an eyeful when she had her shorts pulled down playing against Everton. Uh, thank you so much for all of your tweets. Congratulations to the winners. I'll be back next week with another Twitter topic for you. Thank you very much, Faye. And congratulations if you're a winner and you're going to be at the Continental Cup final this Friday. And you might be listening to this after it's been out, but I will be there because I'm doing some filming. And Kate, you're going to be there as well. I certainly am with um, one of our gang, Harriet Drudge, who actually runs our competitions and um, so we're very much looking forward hopefully to maybe meeting a few of the competition winners if not I'll be trying to grab a few interviews instead. Lovely and I thought we'd have a quick mention of the Women's Super League because Hayley mm. you interviewed Hope Powell uh, ahead of the final weekend uh, which has just gone and I was there to watch Liverpool ladies and Bristol Academy fight it out it was a title deciding showdown Liverpool ladies they came from bottom last season to be crowned champions of the WSL and it's been a great season hasn't it? It has and it was so nice to see that they were completely integrated into to the whole Liverpool setup, they get to train where Liverpool first team well, and the academy and the youth setup train, and they're very much made part of the club. And they try to make sure that they are not separate and and, and not tread as differently, if you know what I mean. And it was good to see that the club put on this big awards night where they celebrated their win, and the girls all got dressed up and looked super glam. And it's nice to see as well because women's football does sometimes get a bit of stick. And I discussed this with Hope Powell, saying it's a real shame that people look at it as like a manly butch sport. It's not. Yeah, girls like to get stuck in and play sport just as we like to go and exercise and do spinning classes and zumba and play netball but 
there are so many more women now watching football and loving football and appreciating it and seeing some of the amazing goals scored in those whopping great wins by England and Scotland midweek as well in the internationals. And then you see the other side of these women. They're out there. They're absolutely going for it. They're on the pitch and they're very strong kind of women. Yet you see them all dressed up in a football club, wanting to look nice and all being kind of very elegant and just enjoying a nice night out and having a few drinks like every normal girl would want to. When I was there, I took a couple of pictures as well because there were two, over 2,000 people in the stand at Hulton Stadium in Widnes. And it was so great to see everyone on their feet. There was the Liverpool anthem being sung as they came out and then Bristol Academy, they got some great support they took over 300 traveling supporters up there and they had a drum they were banging it it was a great atmosphere it choked me up a little bit actually because of working in the game for for a few years to see how it's grown and I did take a couple of pictures and Siobhan Chamberlain who's goalkeeper for Bristol Academy uh, she also uh, tweeted one out so go to Lindsay at Lindsay Hooper as well and you'll see those pictures uh, really good so we'll move on to topic number three next which has a movie theme uh, Jose Mourinho stormed out of a press conference after too many questions about Kevin De Bruyne and it caused a flurry of back page headlines. We need to talk about Kevin. It's got us thinking of other film titles and who we could attribute them to. So girls, engage it in a Barry Norman, get thinking of other relationships or stories from football so far this season that you could attribute a famous film title to. So, for instance, you can't have this one. Ashley Young, with all his diving, could be Bambi, couldn't he? (laughs) Anyway, that one's mine. Uh, We're going to go with Hayley. Oh, I have a few. The Wayne Rooney mysterious training ground eye injury. Oh, it was horrible, that, wasn't it? What about the famous Ridley Scott film Blade Runner? (laughs) Off the bottom of someone's boots, the blade unfortunately (laughs) accidentally caught his eye. And that would be my headline. What about David Moyes, a classic River Phoenix and Corey Fowlman film, which came out coincidentally the year that Sir Alex Ferguson joined Manchester United in 1986. Stand by me. One of my favourite films of all time. And at Arsenal, Flamini, it's like he's never left Groundhog Day. (laughs) There we have it. And let's focus more on Tottenham and Chelsea. Tottenham thought they had their man. Chelsea snatched him at the very last minute from their clutches. Goodwill hunting. The signing of Willian. Bada boom. The end. My favourite. Goodwill hunting. Top that one, Kate Borsé. I don't think I can. It was me that came up with these topics and I'm rubbish at them. I gave you an example, which is is a bit of an indulgence for me. One of my favourite plays is by Sheridan and it's called The Rivals. And of course, AVB and Jose Mourinho meeting at the weekend end in that London derby, the rivals. I think there's a new version coming out this year. Um, I thought for Torres and his antics on Vertonghen, how about Catwoman or Edward Scissorhands maybe? Um, I also thought, well, look, we could take the movie The Shining and perhaps attribute that to one of our star picks so far, your Barkley, your Berahino or uh, your Ramsey. Crash, because there's bound to be a footballer out there who's crashed their car so far this season. Transformers, he's transformed from a number two into a successful number one. Steve Clark, West Bromwich Albion. Pulp Fiction, someone's got to have written a rubbish football book so far this season, in which case, Pulp Fiction. (laughs) <laughs> wow okay two more for me to add um, I'm going to go with the Gareth Bale move to Madrid but I'm going Richie Rich because oh, yeah. of all the money um, and my, my best one I think is one from last season so I extended <laughs> the boundaries again I'm just looking at QPR as a whole last season and I'm calling them the Goonies because they were after the money and now Harry's got in the right players and they are just bossing the championship mm. 
Oh, I was brilliant. That's excellent. <laughs> I love my films. I Fashion, football and films. Those are my three great loves. There's food in there as well. The other great F, but, you know, won't go on about that too much. <laughs> but food, film, fashion, football. What else do we need in life? Nothing. Well, if that's the case, we've given you football because we've been talking it for the podcast. We've given you jewels. That comes under fashion. We've given you films with our movie topic. So if we go and get you a cookie, we're all done, aren't we? the best day of my life <laughs> thank you very much both of you and uh, we're going to have one final word from Rhiannon Jones who's going to update us from all things La Liga and then we can say goodbye here she is hola chicas well the big news from match day 7 here in La Liga is of course the Madrid derby Atleti beat their cross city rivals for the first time in a league game in 14 years what's more Diego Simeone's men ended Real Madrid's impressive 34 league match unbeaten run at the Bernabeu the only goal of the game came from Diego Costa, who's now La Liga's top scorer, and plenty of talk here about whether or not he'll soon be playing for Spain instead of Brazil after the Spanish Football Federation put in a formal request to FIFA to negotiate a possible switch. Another man everyone was talking about once again here in Spain at the weekend was Gareth Bale. He finally made his home debut with Real Madrid after a thigh injury saw him sit out their 4-1 victory over Getafe. The fans gave the Welshman a big cheer as he came on at half-time, which he told me after the game he was thrilled about. He also told me he wasn't nervous ahead of the big clash, but was glad to get his home debut out of the way. So after Saturday's win, Atleti are now on an impressive seven wins in seven games, as are Barcelona. The table-topping sides are now just two games off the record for consecutive wins at the start of a season. Almeria are the only team in the Spanish top flight yet to win a game after they lost 2-0 at home to Barcelona in a game that saw Lionel Messi go off injured. He's understood to be out for two to three weeks, but if he's going to get injured, arguably it's the best time for it. With the international break coming up, he looks likely to only miss one league game. That's it for now from Madrid. Until next time, adios. Thanks very much, Rhiannon, updating us on all things Spanish football. Well, we'll be back next week with episode nine, won't we, girls? Oh, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Hayley's being nonchalant. If we can be bothered, yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I bring cookies. Oh, I'm in. Oh, I'm <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye.